Hey everybody, this is Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. We will be finishing up chapter 24 today. And Jesus is continuing his prophecy about the end of time. He's warning his disciples and followers about things that are to come and how they should respond and stay true when these things take place. And this portion of the chapter is quite difficult to understand and there are many different stances on how people interpret this passage because it's talking about things like what has been referred to as the the tribulation time period and the rapture and uh, the second coming of Christ and I'm going to do my best to be neutral in all of these stances as I present this scripture to you and we talk about this. I will let you know kind of where I stand on it personally, uh, but today's uh, study is going to take a little more time than usual. It'll probably be probably 30, somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes. So it won't be super long, but it'll be longer than it has been the past several weeks. So Matthew chapter 24, verses 26 through 51, Jesus is still speaking about the future. Let's read it together, and then we'll talk some. It says, So if someone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or, look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then at last, the sign of the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, you can know his return is very near right at the door. And I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's days. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants and partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. 
and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Alright, so starting off with today's passage, Jesus is finishing up talking about false messiahs. False uh, people who are claiming to be Christ, but they're anti-Christ. And he talks about all this. And it's very important that people guard themselves and not be deceived by people claiming to be the Messiah. Jesus is pretty intent on this, and he actually mentions this several times in Scripture. Jesus said that it would happen in a way that everyone would witness and see it. So when Jesus comes back, you don't have to go looking for him. You shouldn't have to go find him. The second coming of Christ will happen in such a way that he will reveal himself to all people in an instant. It will be sudden, instantaneous, and terrifying, especially to those who are not followers of Christ. Everything that Jesus spoke of before will point to this second coming just like vultures surrounding a carcass. He uses that example. Um, You know what's there before the vultures circling in the air. And, and so, you know, just growing up on a farm, that was kind of one of the things as, as we raised cattle, especially when I was younger, if we saw vultures flying around out in the pasture, we knew we probably lost a cow or a calf. And so we immediately went searching. Um, but this is the way the signs of the coming of the end are going to be. And Jesus is telling you, you got to pay attention. You got to keep aware. You got to know what these signs are pointing to and be ready for it. So, This tribulation time that is mentioned in some translations, okay? Others, it's mentioned as a time of great anguish. Um, So if you're reading the King James Version, it's going to say tribulation. If you're reading the NLT with me today, it's going to say anguish. However you interpret that, it talks about the sun being darkened and the moon giving off no light. Stars will fall from heaven. And obviously it speaks of great interruptions of the natural order in space. And you can read passages from Joel chapter 2 verse 10, Revelation 6, 12-14, Isaiah 34 verse 4. And all these support the cosmic catastrophes preceding the second coming of Christ. So look at this, you have to be careful because the very first part of uh, Matthew chapter 4 or 24 talks about um, all the things that Jesus is kind of predicting that will happen into the temple and happen in Jerusalem. And um, all those things have already happened. So as Jesus continues on, we're kind of reached the second half of chapter 24 where a lot of these things really have not happened yet because we have not seen um, the sun darkened, the moon giving off no light, stars falling from the sky, basically these huge interruptions of cosmic activity. We have not witnessed that yet. Now, um, no scholars, so let's talk about the sign of the Son of Man that is mentioned in this passage. No scholar that I know of claims to know what the sign of the Son of Man is, but basically, all agree that it will appear and whatever that sign may be it will be so obvious to everyone on earth that that you will know what it is but jesus second coming will be one of great power honor glory and majesty you have to understand that when jesus came the first time it was very much a uh not secretive 
but it was very much built around prophecies and it was a very humble appearing in human form. And so unless you were truly looking for Jesus, you would have missed him. But everyone who was looking for Jesus found him. You think about the wise men, the shepherds, all that God appeared, and, and Simeon in the temple, and um, I think it was Anna in the temple. Uh, there was some woman who was a prophet in the temple who knew Christ whenever she saw him. So everyone who was looking for Jesus intently when he came the first time found him. But the second coming of Christ is going to be very opposite of that. When Jesus comes for the second time, it will be so obvious that everyone will know. When he comes, Scripture says that he is going to send out his angels to gather his faithful ones upon his arrival. And so uh, Jesus then kind of moves on and he draws attention to the regular growth patterns and cycles of the fig tree and he says when you see the budding you know that summer is near and jesus uses this as an example to say that when you see all these signs take place that you will know that the second coming is near and i want to say this with as much care and grace as i can um you know this is kind of a, a controversial uh hot topic um among Christians and the thing is is that it's kind of been accepted by most Christians as being this whole tribulation revelation uh, time period with seven years of tribulation and all this stuff and and people differ on that interpretation and so I just want to kind of take take a moment to talk about this and address it in, in a neutral way um, but some theologians believe that most of Matthew 24, especially what we talked about last time I did this, uh, the first half of Matthew 24, is that it directly points to the events that happened with the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, um, a few years before that when Pompey entered into the Holy of Holies, causing the altar to be desecrated. Um, a lot of theologians, and probably the most common teaching in American Christianity is that that most theologians would try to say that these events have not happened yet. But if you really take into consideration the historical events, even recorded by Josephus, of what happened, the people in Jerusalem who experienced what happened in 70 AD, it would be one of the most terrifying and horrifying things they'd ever witnessed before in their life. Um, now, as we said before, um, you have... You know the second half of chapter 24 that we're reading and a lot of the cosmos the cosmos you know like the cause uh the the space being interrupted uh stars falling from the sky the sun not shining the the moon giving off no light we really haven't witnessed anything like that and so as far as the signs of the end of times you know i think when you look at our nation today on on our side of the world we are definitely looking at a very sinful time in our nation. Um, and you would think that those things would point specifically to the second coming of Christ. But what you have to remember is, is that we live in a very big world. And on the other side of the world, in Africa and in Asia and even in South America, there are huge revivals taking place and there are millions and they're saying that like high uh, millions, uh, maybe even like hundreds of millions of people are being saved 
constantly in these three continents because the power of Christ is moving among those people. So as our culture in America is getting more sinful and deterring away from Christ, you have to consider the rest of the world. And there's three other continents that Christianity is growing exponentially. Now, with all that being said, it's very important to realize that um, as uh, an entire world, the, the signs do not seem to be coming uh, to show that Jesus is going to appear uh, soon. And, and the reason why I say that is is because you have to think about other passages of scriptures. Um, and you also have to realize that whenever the disciples heard Jesus say this, they really expected that Jesus would return in their lifetime. And so, one of the major issues the disciples had to address in even writing the New Testament was, is that when, you know, the fall of Rome, I mean the fall of Jerusalem and the desecration of the temple with Pompeii, once all that stuff happened, the disciples in the early church really believed that Jesus was going to come back soon, and they were expecting all that stuff to happen right then. But what happened is, is that time began to pass, and then the, uh, you know, the events with the sun and the moon and stars falling from the sky, all that stuff didn't follow, and so then Jesus didn't come back, and so there's this explanation that needs to take place, and so you get writings like Second Peter chapter three verses nine through ten, where Peter is writing, and he's saying, listen. In verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. So what you see in this passage is, is that Peter is kind of addressing this issue that a lot of Christians were beginning to say, okay, well, Jesus isn't coming back because he said he was in our lifetime, but he hasn't came yet. And it's been a, a long time and we're running out of time in our life. Uh, they really thought their generation would see the second coming of Christ. And so you have to remember that the disciples and, and everyone were really sold that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. And when that second coming was delayed, they had to go back and look at how they had understood the teachings of Jesus because they had seen many of the signs that had been spoken of, and yet they had not seen all the signs that had been spoken of. So when you look at Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8, which is the verse right before what I just read a second ago, it says, But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So Peter also addresses this issue of the understanding of time, that we as people understand time very differently than the way the Lord understands time. And so one thing that you can be sure of when you're reading Scripture is that some things can be difficult to understand. Think about all those pesky religious leaders that we were talking about a few weeks ago who refused to accept Jesus as the Messiah. Their whole life was built around the scriptures and they were fervently looking for the Messiah. And they misunderstood the scriptures and missed him. Now what I'm saying is that from the best we can understand, it seems that in the first half of chapter 24, 
we got a lot of those signs like Jesus talking about the the temple being destroyed um, the you know Pompey going into the Holy of Holies and desecrating the temple um, the people of Jerusalem being attacked and killed brutally men women and children and the elderly uh, the most difficult to comprehend is that Jesus is saying this generation will not pass until all these things take place and this is confusing because that generation did pass with most of those signs taking place but not all of them taking place and you got to remember that signs like the sun going dark and the moon giving no light and the stars falling from the sky just haven't taken place yet and don't forget about the sign of the messiah that has yet to appear in the heavens so we still don't know what the sign of the messiah is uh, one good explanation for that is is that some scholars believe the word generation could also be translated to race so rather than a generational age group, uh, this is referring to the entire Jewish race and how they would never go extinct but would remain until the very end. So the, uh, the Jewish people would remain until the second coming of Christ when the world comes to an end. They would never go extinct. So um, as you can see and understand, it's a very complicated passage to understand and we really just we don't know for a hundred percent what all that's referring to one thing that i would like to draw attention to is the simple fact that um, when you look at uh, the desecration of the temple well right now um, it would be impossible for the desecration of the temple to even happen because there isn't a temple anymore um, and a lot of people who believe that none of those events in the first half of chapter 24 that have taken place, they believe that there will be another temple um, built, and then whenever it's built, all this stuff will happen. Um, I've heard some theologians say that the, another temple may never be built because if Jesus Christ was the sacrifice for our sins for all time, and there's never need for another sacrifice, then God probably would never allow another temple to be built because he wouldn't want sacrifices to be offered because Jesus' sacrifice is enough once and for all time. And so even the concept of just thinking about the temple being built and sacrifices being offered in it again, that would it would have to be built in order for the first half of chapter 24 to be fulfilled in our day and time or after us you know maybe our grandchildren might see that or something but um you know i i, I kind of lean towards the aspect that um you when you look at this that the first half of chapter 24 refers to what happened uh in jerusalem in 70 a.d with the destruction of the temple and pompey entering in and and desecrating all that and um I, that's where I, I lean towards and then i also believe that we have yet to see the second half of chapter 24 where you know this whole thing with the stars falling from the sky and the sun being darkened and the moon giving off no light some of those things have yet to come and i think they will come um i believe they will come in time so that's kind of where i'm at on it and um you know this is why you have to understand that no one knows exactly when the second coming will happen um and and you should run from anyone who claims that they know when it will happen um 
This is why verse 36 is so important. Uh, not even Jesus knew the day of his return, and uh, he only understood what must take place in order for that day to come. And he said, no one knows, only the Father knows. And one thing that you can accept and agree on wholeheartedly is that no one knows the day of Jesus' return. Um, Jesus goes on to say that the world will be as it is in the days of Noah. People will be eating, drinking, marrying, etc. until all of a sudden Jesus will come. And now just because it said that it, it caught them unaware doesn't mean that they were not warned. And we're talking about the people during the days of Noah. Uh, you, you have to understand that um, during the days of Noah, I'm sure that the people were warned. And many people have been warned about the second coming of Christ. I mean, think about how many people have been told about Jesus, how many people have been told about the second coming, and how many people just ignore it and go on about their business and live their life and do what they're going to do. Um, many people, even, even for many Christians, if, if Jesus came today, I imagine we would all be caught off guard to some extent. I mean, like, I believe that Jesus is coming. I believe his second coming uh, 100%. Uh, but if Jesus came back right now, I would be surprised. Uh, we've been waiting for 2,000 years. I believe it to be true. But let's be honest, it's hard to be ready for something that has been proclaimed for over 2,000 years and hasn't happened yet. <clears throat> so um, it's very important for us uh, to not be lulled to sleep. 2,000 years of expecting and waiting on something is no excuse to be lulled to sleep and not be ready. Jesus follows up in verse 44, or I'm sorry, verses 40 through 44, talking about how we should be ready. The hour and the day is unknown, but Jesus used this example. If you knew that a thief was coming, you would stay up and you would wait and you would protect your property. You would protect what belongs to you. And the thing we need to understand is, is that the rest of the world will not be expecting the second coming. Even if they've been warned about it, they won't be expecting the second coming. They will doubt it and they will be carrying on as usual, eating, drinking, marrying, doing their daily thing, living their lives. But it is the Christian's job to be ready and to proclaim the second coming. We do this for our benefit and the benefit of others. And Jesus is coming and we must be awake to protect our souls and be ready. Now, Jesus gives somewhat of a final parable talking about the two servants. For the one that is faithful and takes care of the master's household, that servant will be rewarded and put in charge of all things. But the one that is unfaithful and abuses what the master has left him in charge of will be cut to pieces and cast out for the hypocrites, um, cast out with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so what you need to understand today, the main thing to take away from this passage is, is number one, you should always be ready to meet Jesus at any time. You don't know when he's coming back. We can look for the signs. We can look expectantly. But in all honesty, you know, we, we read scripture and we try to understand it to the best of our ability with, with the wisdom that God gives us. But the truth is, is that we don't always interpret Scripture 100% accurately. And the religious leaders of Jesus' day didn't. Um, the disciples didn't. In fact, Jesus was the only person who ever truly interpreted the Scriptures accurately. Um, we as people tend to, as much as we like to think that we know, even myself, 
Um, sometimes we just don't interpret the scriptures the way that God meant them to be. Now we try to, and I'll say this for my own self, I 100% try to, so I don't want you to doubt um, what I'm saying on these podcasts or what I'm saying in teaching if you're at church on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night with our Bible study. I really try 100% to honor the Lord and be accurate in my teaching. But there have been times where I've taught things that I believe to be true and then later on in my faith with Christ have been revealed to me that that wasn't accurate. And I've had to go back and change and apologize for saying things and teaching things that weren't 100% accurate. So the biggest thing is is being able to be humble enough to admit when we're wrong and go back and correct those things. Um, but just trying to be honest and trying to be accurate to the best of our abilities. We're not perfect. And so we try the best we can. And so understanding this today... I think, as Christians, for me personally, that we should be looking for the signs in the heavens uh, coming up of the darkening of the sun, the darkening of the moon, the stars falling from the sky, and then we should be looking for signs of the Messiah. The more sinful the world gets and the more that time goes on, obviously every day that passes is a day closer uh, that the second coming of Jesus is going to take place. So every day that passes, we should be getting more and more ready. I believe that with my whole heart. And I believe that the first half of chapter 24 and all those fulfillments of those signs took place in 70 AD. But I am also willing to say that if the temple was to be rebuilt in Jerusalem today, I would probably take a step backward and be looking at the whole idea of, okay, well, is now that there's a temple being built... Now there is a possibility for someone to go in and to desecrate that temple and to desecrate the Holy of Holies and to start like this whole snowball effect of signs that are going to be taking place. And so I'll say this today. Be looking for the signs. If a temple ever gets rebuilt in Jerusalem, you better keep your head on a swivel and be looking around for the rest of the signs coming because that's a good indication that it's going to happen. But I truly believe that because Jesus Christ was the sacrifice for our sins once and for all, I really don't believe that the Lord will ever allow another temple to be built because he wouldn't want sacrifices offered to himself if his son was already the sacrifice that was good enough for all time. And so I don't think the Lord would ever will for the temple to be built again. And that's just where I stand on it. But if the temple ever gets rebuilt, I will be willing to say, you know, I was wrong about that, and now I'm looking for the signs to take place. So we have to kind of keep an open mind about some things. Some scripture is very difficult to understand and comprehend and interpret. But one thing, that two things you need to take away from this today. Number one, you got to be ready, and you got to be looking for the signs. Number two, you need to understand that if you're not ready and if you're not faithful in the things that Jesus Christ has uh, called you to be in charge of and to take care of, then there is punishment awaiting you. It says that he will return unexpectedly. He will take his servants. And you have to understand, like, the, the servant who was unfaithful was still a servant. And he will take his unfaithful servant. He will cut them to pieces, cast them out with the hypocrites, and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that's talking about hell. And that's not a place that I want to go. I want to be rewarded. I want to have higher honor. I want to have more responsibility in serving Christ. And so our goal, our job, is to be faithful with what he's tasked us with, 
and to be ready for his return at any given time. All right? Well, we got done faster than I thought we would. Let's pray, and I'll let you guys go. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for everything you bless us with. God, thank you for the opportunity to read your word. And Lord, um, as we sit here today and humbly say we we just don't understand everything completely, God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us, that you would lead us and guide us and give us wisdom and understanding um, as you see fit. And God, we want to know, we want to be ready, we want to be looking for you, and help us to do that with faith and with as much uh, understanding as you can as you can give us um, according to your will. We love you today, and we thank you for this time together, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks again for coming, uh, for tuning in for another week. Thank you for being a part of the Graham Chapel family. Uh, we would love to see you on campus at 9 a.m. at our first service or 11 a.m. for our second service. Uh, if you can't catch us in person on campus, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you guys. We're praying for you and hope you have a great week.